Hello and welcome back to a Meathead Hippie Podcast. I'm so happy you're here. I'm your host, Emily Schramm. I am Meathead, a hippie, an entrepreneur, a creator, a nutritional therapy practitioner, a lover of helping teach the world how to heal itself. And that happens through our knowledge of food and micronutrients and also of the macro scale how things are farmed and land and nature. So I'm having so much fun living in my van, (laughs) traveling around, interviewing people about these healing stories and also hopefully educating you on how you can just be more empowered to live your biggest, best, best damn life. So thank you for being here. I have an incredible guest today. So this is It's so many things, but we're going to name it an introduction to Kabbalah for the purpose-driven life. So this is with Shifra Bloom. She is an herbalist. She is a healer. She is an energy worker. She is a ceremony worker. She's a coach, and she is just a badass creator. So I met her in Virginia on my very first leg of my Meathead Hippie Mobile trip, and just instantly found love with her pulling cards for me, her own deck, and just opened up the world of creation that I had no idea, this deep, rich, rich history of Kabbalah. And I was so excited to get her on the podcast to talk about it, to share about it. And it will not disappoint. <laughs> it's so good. I really, really love tapping into this energy because we are all creators and we are usually our own self-sabotagers. So what can we do to help the process of being that creator that we are? If you want to watch this, please go watch it on YouTube under Emily Schramm. And I have been loving just communicating to uh, the world about what I'm doing in the van, but it's like so new. It's so fresh. So any feedback, thoughts, comments, just send them our way. We are listening. You can email us at support at emilyschramm.com. Or if you know someone we should podcast or I should podcast, I will add it to the list. And just before we start, I want to share really quickly. It is Black Friday. No matter when you're listening to this, no matter where you are, you know, Thanksgiving is taken wildly out of proportion and consumerism and capitalism has taken over our society. But I will say there is something very special about giving and gifting things that are nourishing to those you love. So I'm going to name four things that are all linked in the link below if you want to read into this in an email we sent called M's Favorite Things. Equip Foods, which is a post-workout protein, prime protein, they're a sponsor of this podcast. I'm so grateful for them. I have them every time I work out. It's a post-workout shake. I love strawberry and vanilla, and they have a killer Friday Black Friday deal happening this weekend. So go to equipfoods.com M or just equip foods, and you can get discounts increasing if you buy two, four, or six. Some of the best deals that they ever run are on Black Friday. The protein is really clean, really pure, and really full of nutrients. It's full protein for your gains. So post-workout is really, really wonderful and delicious tasting with prime protein. And I have uh, a beautiful sale happening for Empirica. So if you are a TriMag user, if you're interested in supplements that actually work, I have Essentials, the box of Essentials. That's a great gift or a great starting point for someone new to supplements. And then TriMag, which is a really powerful magnesium blend 
you know when supplements you're like is this working well TriMag is the one that you can feel the difference of within a day you take it at night your sleep is better your muscles are less sore it's a wonderful gift for people who are on the go or really looking for stress relief at a natural level that's magnesium myempirica.com everything is buy one get one 30 percent off use the code all caps thankful my third favorite thing is Element Salts. These are powerful, delicious electrolytes. I drink one a day. If you have not tried these electrolytes, please go try them. And then if you want to try my link, it's drinklmnt.com slash meatheadhippie. My favorite flavor is grapefruit. They are so good. You can also mix them with mezcal and tequila, which we have tried recently and we love but so good for just adding to your daily water hydration routine. And then last but not least, I have a very special new offering of osha root. Osha root is a sacred herb that was harvested sustainably and in respect to Mother Earth with Sandy, my dear friend and farmer in Colorado. Osha root is endangered, it's overharvested, and we have a place of abundance, so we decided to take just enough for a select group of people. Osha root is a powerful apothecary herb for lung support. If you want to add it to a jar with brandy and honey, you shake it every day. It is a perfect gift for you or for someone you love who is looking to learn about herbal medicine. Every order includes a full publication about how to use it, harvesting it, understanding the repercussions of over-harvesting osha root and just beautiful information about this herb. Bear root is also what it's named and some stories about uh, Sean specifically who works with the bears and works with the herb of osha and taking it all across the world to specific bears and watching how they respond to it. It's just so powerful. So all of that is available. It's in the email link below. If you're on my email list, go to emilyshrom.com to get on it if you're not. And just thank you for being a part of this journey. It's been so fun and it's just beginning. So I'm honored to be a part of this healing journey that we are all on right alongside with you. Have a beautiful, beautiful day. Enjoy the podcast with Shifra. <laughs> I'm Emily Schramm, the ultimate meathead hippie. Welcome to the show. Shifra Bloom. I'm so, I'm so excited to have you. Also, I love your last name's Bloom. What an amazing, powerful name to have. Wow. Aren't we all like forever blooming? Thank you for being on this podcast and for, it's like so many things that we're going to talk about. I can't even wait because I just know how it's just going to go and it's just <laughs> going to go. So I want to start though by the thing behind you, because just briefly mentioning your history and this, if you're listening, we're on a video, you can watch this on YouTube if you want to see, but this is a really beautiful tapestry that Shifra has behind her and those birds. Like, I just feel like that is so important. And what is so cool is that Shifra, I am kind of making my way to warm weather. As I told you, I'm in a van. And as you know, you saw the van when we met, but I froze. It was too cold and my heat also stopped working. So I got to get that all fixed. So I got this Airbnb and you will never believe the street name. 
Are you ready? We it's a weaver. Weaver? <laughs> oh, cool. I know. Yeah. I know. Okay, so tell me or tell us the story of this tapestry, including your history, what you studied, your thesis. Let's just jump in there. Yeah. Okay, cool. I'm so stoked to be here. I'm just so excited for where our conversation's gonna go because I know it's gonna be awesome. Um, this tapestry, it's so interesting because this tapestry takes me way back in time. I bought it when I was 19 years old in Ayacucho, Peru. And it takes me way back to this time period that was so influential to me and has so much to do with everything I already think we're going to talk about today. And I didn't expect to talk about this tapestry. And yet here it is behind me and it's so relevant. So I'll, I'll tell the story of this tapestry. Um, well, when I was in college, I was at the University of Colorado studying um, English creative writing and Spanish literature. And Spanish literature has a lot to do with, well, I was studying a lot of magical realism. That was what I was really drawn to. And magical realism, for those of you that aren't familiar, the way I understand it is, what I learned from it is, one person's reality is another person's complete fantasy. And what is 100% true to one person, their perspective might seem completely fantastical to another person. And so it's interesting to be thinking about it in this way where that's the literature that when you read it, it, it feels magical, it feels fantastical. And yet realizing how much that influenced the story alchemy work that I do, which is about just that. So rewinding, I'm 19 years old and I went down to Ayacucho, Peru um, with a girlfriend of mine and I volunteered in this orphanage and it completely changed my life forever um, and really deeply influenced me. And uh, then I went back when I was 21 on a grant from my university to do research for my final thesis. And while I was down there, I met, um, his name is Faustino Flores. And he is really pretty influential in that department of, of Peru, but he is a master tapestry weaver. And so I met him and his wife and they took me to their home and they showed me their studio with just, I think like nine huge looms set up and the beautifully colored natural dyeing yarns on the roof of their home. And they told me the stories of, of their tapestries and I got to be in their studio and their home. Um, and this one was done by his teacher. So Edwin Sulka is, is his maestro and his teacher. Um, and Edwin Sulka adopted Faustino when Faustino was a boy because that was around when the Sendero Luminoso communist rebel group was really active in that part of Peru. And so, you know, this whole story of um, how Faustino had to flee his home and then he took up with his ma maestro um, and learn the art of tapestry weaving. So that's a little bit of, of the history of that. And the tapestry itself, what I love is it's this 3D kind of magical, mysterious thing. And the thing about the weaver, <laughs> the weaving, the loom, is in magical realism in Spanish literature, you have this theme of tapestry and like also the funeral shroud that someone will, um, I think it's in a hundred years of solitude, especially where there's like a beautiful scene and the woman's weaving her, her shroud that she's gonna be buried in. 
and and she can't die until it's finished you know and it's like but she's weaving one more one more weave through the loom one more weave through the loom and it changes and so it just reminds me of life and it, it changes the story of the tapestry and you know there's this element of like it could just pop out of the story and become real and so true is that with the story alchemy of our own life that each even this conversation is the threading of one more weave in our loom and this conversation will inevitably though we don't know how change the design of the tapestry that is our life and and probably many people who will get to listen to this conversation as well so I yeah that's the story of of this tapestry wow. weaving of looming of story work and yeah well and even weaving as you know the, it's ancient art form you know thinking of how women would go into trance and just completely consume be consumed by it and let themselves come through it and I love hearing stories of that whether it's basket weaving or even what you just said I didn't even know that but what a beautiful visual of like recognizing that we all return to earth and knowing what we return into and creating that and what holds us and how everything is just like intention. It is such intention, which is such a big part of the work that you do and what you're bringing into the world. Well, I just realized another connection as you're speaking. Um, This is so cool, which is that the word Tantra means to weave or you know, wow. to, to loom, like to weave together, right? And so usually when we think of Tantra in the West, we're thinking of like masculine and feminine, you know, weaving together, becoming one. And yet it goes beyond that. And I, you know, in the four worlds work that I do, and even just the story alchemy, it's weaving, it's looming together, it's looming perspectives together. But I speak about, you know, Kabbalah and the four worlds as a tantric system not in the Hindu or Buddhist sense, but in the root of what to weave and to loom and to, you know, even yoga yoke together. So all of these things are even more related than I realized. (laughs) Oh my God, this is going to be so magic. Well, and this, this is part of it too. Like when we first met, which was recent, it was just, I have to understand more about this in a way that makes it, I talk about creation so often, like creative, we are creative beings. We must create, we must create with our expectation and with hopefully some long-term foresight or farsightedness to Mm -hmm. repercussions of what we create. Mm -hmm. And yet I am so clueless when it comes to the origin of creation and some of these ancient Mm -hmm. wisdoms and teachings. And so when we met and you did that first reading, it felt as if the words you were saying, like my, like the deepest parts of my soul were starting to wake up, you know, this, this really intense remembering. Mm-hmm. And so I would love to hear, I guess, maybe even the word Kabbalah that you mentioned, you have taught me it means to receive. Mm-hmm. And that's even that I'm like, oh my gosh, there's so much I have yet to know. So could you maybe give me like the very basic intro to Kabbalah and really this, you know, kind of remembering of receiving and the origin of creation? 
Okay. <laughs> Here yeah, we go. Story, story time. So like you said, Kabbalah technically translates to mean to receive. And it's interesting because people will often be like, oh, have you read the Kabbalah? And it's not a book. There's there's no book that's called the Kabbalah. You know, it's not like, have you read the Bible or something? Um, there are works and there, there are works that are um, specifically the the primary go-to works um and there's many 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 books written on kabbalah on to and, and if you think about that word to receive and part of why kabbalah is so magical is that it's up here it's around us it's that which we receive it's the knowing and then it's the teachings on how to access the knowing it is a a it, what it is, is a tradition of mysticism, for those who don't know. Um, it's a tradition of mysticism that explains the who we are and why we're here and how we got here and where we're going and what we're doing here and how, what to do about it, right? And like in the receiving are all of those answers. And yes, Kabbalah is a specific tradition that has its own specific frameworks. And we could distill it down that simply to when you clear yourself enough and get into that place of true receiving, and there's a lot of things that cloud our receiving, <laughs> um, then that's that's Kabbalah. And, that, and that all the teachings of the framework of Kabbalah are eventually getting us there to be able to really be in the receiving of what? Of, of the divine, of God, of breath, which... There's a whole thing we can talk about the breath and God, if we want to get there, um, of life and mm -hmm. of a meaningful life and of a life where you truly get to serve out the potential for which you were born. So that would be my intro of like, well, what is Kabbalah? Um, I can share the narrative of creation if you want. Is that what you wanted me to share? Whatever you're sharing, I'm into. I mean, even your intro to what you are putting out into the world, you know, this deck, this book, this yeah. product. I mean, it, it the way you say it, it's the introduction to, to Kabbalah for the purpose-driven soul, which is so beautiful, which is like, you know, we're all fighting for purpose in so many ways. And you said so many things cloud our ability to receive yeah. right? This, this is it. This is it. Why, why we struggle so much with receiving. I would love to sit in that for a second. If there's anything that really oh, yeah. common themes, because I feel if, if we could be of service to anyone listening, it's to receive better, to receive in a, um, way that allows us to tap into bliss because that's what we're supposed to feel. Yet we are so disconnected from remembering we deserve that sometimes <laughs> and we go through waves and there's times where it's easier to receive than others. And there's definitely the reciprocity of give and take. And, but I would, if we could sit, especially in winter time, knowing that we need to receive now more than ever, mm. what comes up most often? And do you feel in your own personal journey or those you work with of the cloud of receiving what clouds are re receipt? <laughs> Yeah, receptivity. Yeah. Um, I'll answer it in two different ways. The first way I'll answer is what I see through my work and through my experience. 
And then from there, what's really cool is that we can take that and put it into a framework that we get from, from Kabbalah and specifically from the four worlds, which is the piece of this entire mysticism of Kabbalah that I focus on and that my book is about and that my deck is about and that my business is called. It's the four worlds, right? Um, and so I can briefly also talk about that framework because it actually gives us and specifically the way that I articulate it specifically gives us a map. It's so cool. It's so cool. So what I see that blocks our receptivity um, to, and it's like receptivity to what? Well, again, just to reiterate what we're talking about is like our receptivity to our knowing and to our connection with our higher self, uh, to that bliss that comes from knowing yourself and from knowing your connection to the divine, right? That's what I'm talking about yeah. to those, those hits of guidance that lead us deeper and deeper into service, serving in our purpose. Um, and the thing that I find often is, well, let me back up. So I'll give a little introduction to the four worlds with this, because the way, according to the four worlds tradition, and that's, you know, coming from Kabbalah, the way that anything comes into form, anything gets created is through the steps of the four worlds, one, two, three, four. And these are four stages. So the idea is if anything comes in through the four worlds, that would be creation itself, or you and I as an incarnated being, or a business that we want to put out in the world, or a piece of art that we want to create in the world, or any kind of idea like that. And an illness that has manifested. And so where I hone in on is, okay, well, if a challenge or an obstacle or an illness is manifested through these four stages, then I now have a map for how to also heal it. And so um, uh, I'm going to give you a long-winded answer here, if that's okay, but we're going to circle back please, around. Please, please. So <laughs> in those four stages, why don't I go ahead and list out what they are just so people can hear it. In Hebrew, it's Atzilut, Beria, Yetzira, and Asiya. Can I repeat those? I, I feel mm -hmm. like I need to say this. Okay, Atzila, Atzilut, Atzilut, Beria, Beria, Yetzira, Yetzira, Asiya, Asiya. Yeah. Mm. And in English, the direct translation would be the world of emanation, the world of creation, the world of formation, and the world of action. Okay. So then from there to just give like a one-liner for each of those, the world of emanation is the world of belief and dreams and ideas. And it's the world where you're like, Oh, I just got an idea. It's on the tip of my tongue. I can't quite articulate it yet. Okay. And then we go into the world of Viria, which is the world of creation, which is the world of thought. The idea is now formed into a thought. And we can go, oh, what if we did it like this? What if we did it like this? We're throwing paint at the wall. We're experimenting. We're thinking about it. We're chewing on it. And then we come down into the world of formation, which is where we give structure and form to it. And it's also the world of speech. We can now articulate it. It's also the world of emotion. We can feel into it. 
And that's the world of formation. And then finally, we come down into the world of action, which is the embodied, living, breathing experience of it all. Wow. Do you feel we, and maybe if we just dividing in those four, my first thought is that so many of us feel like we are stuck in belief or stuck in thought when maybe it's just not time for creation, or maybe it is, you know, right. This like urgency, the lack of patience. I think so many of us have to put something into the former action without full respect to emanation and creation. Right. Yeah. And, and just to remind us where we're going, we're answering the question of what most commonly blocks us, mm. right? So we're just going to keep going down this storytelling and keep coming back to that question until we've answered it. Wow. And yeah. <laughs> you're pointing on, you're, you're pointing us back to the answer to that question, which is where we're going here, which is the belief and the thoughts, the story that we're living in. So yeah, absolutely. It's like we rush forward to step three and four um, before before gestation. And what happens if a baby's born premature? It's not fully developed. It may or may not make it, right? So we let incubate, we let gestate, we give the nourishment necessary so that when the project comes into form, when whatever it is comes into form, it can come in, you know, fully fully developed that's the ideal goal right and can you can you go in not fully developed yeah it just takes a lot more support and work and risk of burnout etc right right so within the four stages are 11 there's many actually but there's 11 major steps and actually there's 121 because within each one, there's this 11 over again, and it's actually infinite. It's a hologram, but we'll just stick with the 11. Okay. <laughs> 11, 11. Yeah. We'll stick with the 11. <laughs> and some people say 12 or 13 or 10 or seven. And you know, it's because there's more, there's a different amount. And this teaching is through the 11. And um, usually it's 10. There's a secret one. And I include it. It's secret because it's the most powerful and not usually taught. And in those 11 stages, so here's the thing is when we can identify a block, for example, and it was a block to us, to our receptivity, but to, I think the idea is like really to overcoming whatever the obstacle is. Uh, to stepping into our purpose, to healing the, the ailment, to whatever that is, right? The block, um, if we can root kind of like at which level that is, at which stage, which world, and then the map goes even more specific because we can see which of those 11, their energy centers, their attributes of, of our personality, if you will. Um, if we could see which of those is, is underdeveloped or challenged, there's light and shadow sides to each of those. So you know, we can get very, and that's what my card deck does, right? It's like, you get that reflection and then you get prompts and then, and then you go through the story alchemizing process so that you can heal it. And so ultimately what I found though, it's like this, this process I love, cause I love having a process to follow. It's like, oh, I know what to do. And, um, if 
something is say at the physical level in the world of ASEA, then you might do a more physical modality, right? And so in my personal story, um, I'd love to share how I how I realized that most blocks are rooted in the world of belief. That's what I found. Wow, yeah. And I found that through my own, um, when I was practicing clinical herbalism, my clinical practice, and then, you know, coaching hundreds of people for over the last however many years, I found that also in my own personal experience in my story. Um, and I'll share that if that's, yeah. So in my stories, I used to have really severe chronic eczema, which is like itchy skin. And I had it growing up and then it got worse and worse through college. And it was like, so painful that it felt like you're on it felt like I was burning it it was so uncomfortable and it got to the point where it was just all over my body it was on my chest it was on my eyes it was all over and at some point I realized that allopathic medicine which is western medicine um didn't have an answer for me because I'd been to all of the dermatologists and finally they there what there didn't have an answer and that's where you go oh well it's just some chronic and then they give it a name that's like it's called itis which just means wherever the problem is inflamed and you're like cool <laughs> that's not helpful <laughs> something itis yes that's yeah, exactly like, it yes mm-hmm. and so that's when I you know started looking into herbal medicine and energy medicine and yoga and um, nutrition. And so, you know, a lot of people will heal things like eczema through an elimination diet. Well, it turns out that I don't have a wheat or dairy sensitivity, which are the most common. There's all kinds of sensitivities one can have. But for me, after all that, it's like, it wasn't a food sensitivity. And so then I learned about, okay, well, eczema is, you know, the skin is the largest organ. So I want to look at my detoxification pathways. I want to cleanse the blood. Therefore, I want to address the lungs and the lymph and the liver. And so I support this more on the herbal, um, address it from like an herbal medicine aspect. And, you know, I want to make sure I'm getting enough sleep and enough exercise. So even back, even back in the father of medicine, Hippocrates will told us like when we're addressing something we it's it's four stages we go lifestyle you know just basics like are you walking every day are you moving are you sleeping to food to medicine meaning herbal medicine and then finally to emergency medicine meaning surgery or now allopathic medicine um and so i tried everything and all the modalities and acupuncture and like therapy and everything well, therapy is helpful, but depending which kind of therapy, it can still be kind of surface. And so what it ended up being is like, oh, there's so much stuck emotion. And so I had to release that emotion. And then it, and then what I really had to do was change the story that I was living in about who I was. But I couldn't even change the story until I first changed my emotion and then the way I thought about it and then changed the belief. So you see, I'm going up the ladder, right? Um, and I, I like to think of our beliefs 
the beliefs are the house that we're living in. And the walls of the house are made up with the specific stories that we tell about our life. And usually it's things we're not even conscious about. It's things that we tend to take for granted as true. And then the walls themselves, like the bricks of the wall, are made up of the actual sentences and the actual words that we're using that influence us. Like the definition of the word spell is a word or combination of words of great influence. So that is my long-winded answer to what blocks us. <laughs> no, that's beautiful. And then we are just brought me back to the first day we met because it was the power of language and speech and belief mm -hmm. that you were a part of. Um, would there be anything tied into that that would be important to share of repatterning and kind of also with the group that you work with of how that ties into the things we say, the way we say them, words are no longer just words. They're you're invoking something right They're mm -hmm. so powerful. And I wrote about this the other day. I've just been, it's very Jupiter and Pisces kind of vibe, like, <laughs> and I love this visual that's just in my head. So I'm, I'm still trying to figure out how to say it, but how important it is for us to one, share our story, right? When we can express our story and share our story, whether it's a story of illness or a story of healing, there's so much that can be moved, right? Cause we just, we sent, we think things through it's, it's no longer a think thing. This is a getting something out of your system thing, right? A yell and anger, a punch to something that's not somebody, right? There's expression of self and sometimes speaking that story, but then so too often does that story get shared again and again and again, and it ends up trapping us, right? right? So what becomes our therapy all of a sudden is our prison. I would love any thoughts about the the language, the speak, the um, the group that you work with, anything that comes from, yeah, those the, the power of words. I was speaking to a woman just a couple of nights ago and you know we're talking about she had this belief that she hardly even noticed was a belief because it was so deeply there that essentially I would that she was undesirable or that she was you know um too old or not good enough you know all of these things and it was so obvious to me because it was coming out in her language and and to me it wasn't I didn't take for granted that those things were true, but I saw how she was creating that experience by reinforcing it. And so what I, one thing, and I, I told this to her is I remember even in my own life, when there, um, there's a, there's like a lineage where these are called automatic negative thoughts. And I forget who coined that term, but automatic negative thoughts, it's like a therapeutic term. And those can plague us sometimes. And even if it's not seemingly negative, these stories that are just automatic stories that are influencing us that may not really be serving us, these automatic negative stories or negative thoughts, um, what do we do about that, right? And so the first thing that I was sharing with her was 
once you learn the tools to change them is to know that it actually works. Because when you actually apply the correct tools, you actually do create new neural pathways in your brain. And I know this to be true, not only from working with clients, but from my own self, because there was a time in my life when those automatic negative thoughts were so strong. I thought, it, I mean, it was unfathomable to, to, to think about a time when the, that might not be the experience I was having constantly. And now that's not the experience I have almost ever. And it's only like however five, six years later or something, right? So there's a lot of different ways we could go with this question. Um, I could get very specific and technical, but I think right now I'd rather talk about the importance of, of the breath. Because... Yeah. Notice that it's true. Like there could be a traumatic story in someone's past and they've already talked about it in therapy. In fact, they've talked about it for years and they've talked about it to their friends and they've processed it and processed it and processed it. And how come sometimes that just makes it stronger and reinforces it and reinforces it. And then sometimes it, it dispels it. Because it is through telling the story in a specific way that I will guide people through releasing the story once and for all, like in a few minutes. And what's the difference? And I would say, yes, there's an element to the specific language, but more importantly, is the breath and airing it out and spacing it out and breathing the breath in there and Noticing where is your nervous system at when you're telling the story. And to put this into more of a Kabbalistic, you know, to tie those things together, why? Why is the breath so important? I mean, we could get scientific about it and talk about how when you're breathing low and slow, you're also putting yourself into parasympathetic nervous system and your body thinks that you're safe. And now you're interfacing with a, an unsafe supposedly story while you're actually feeling safe we could talk about the science of that but what's interesting to me is the breath is the divine life force right so if if we were to actually translate the ancient hebrew word for god there's a lot of Hebrew words for God, but the main one, which is the Tetragrammaton, the four letters, this is a narrative for creation. And in the in like the Jewish tradition, it's very taboo to try and say that word. But the truth is, it's is it's not so much that it's taboo to say it; it's that it's not actually possible to pronounce the word. There's no there's no um, vowels in it. It's it's not a sound that can be really pronounced unless the closest thing it could sound like is taking a deep breath. Ooh, wow. <laughs> wow. And so in that sense, you know, what the translation that I give to that word, instead of just God, because that's a lot of people interpret that differently is the infinite life force that animates creation. And that's the breath. And so God and the breath are very, very closely related. Um, the breath is the way that we are animated, the way that we get life, that we get spirit. And so 
we have these stories that haunt us and they're devoid of sanctity, of reverence, of gratitude, and on the physical plane of breath. Because often the way we tell those stories is quickly and with our heart rate up and almost hyperventilating about it. And so, it, it, yeah, it's interesting from the perspective of like the science and the nervous system, but it's also interesting from the perspective of like, well, yeah, we're, we're also probably not in reverence, in awe, in gratitude to those experiences when they're still triggering us. And when we bring the breath in there, it helps us to shift because we're bringing in God, we're bringing in divinity. And then it's, it's one thing to know on an intellectual level, like, oh, well, surely I called this in and it formed me and da, 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 da. It doesn't matter how much you know if it hasn't been embodied into true understanding and wisdom. And that's what happens when you bring breath into it. That's what happens when you bring reverence into a situation. Oh, that's so beautiful. I was thinking back to the four stages, the emanation, creation, formation, and action, and how these stories and kind of the, it's like a landscape. Like if you think of emanation as a landscape in which mm. things can be grown and how mm. there's only partially ready to grow land, right? Because our belief system is so weeded out <laughs> and so covered. Right. And so it's this idea that if we just spent more time, if our systems in society gave more reverence to the, the beautiful space of way before the actual structure and action, you know, just building that beautiful land and as much as possible because one person it's like we we feel so limited we are truly when we tap into these things that you were speaking of and this is what the work you are doing is is tapping that in for, for other people to realize the limitlessness of self that true capacity and that real intense <laughs> epiphany of our ability to go above and beyond what we ever thought possible and spending as much time in the emanation and cleaning up those belief systems is what we all, there's not one person who doesn't need to do that, right? There's, there's so much beautiful work that can be done there. Yeah. Well, and you think about, em, em, I'm going to emanate, you're going to emanate what's within, you're going to bring forth what's within. And so if you're a mess inside, that's, what's going to emanate forth from you. And if you're, if you're in balance, that's, what's going to emanate from you and so yeah absolutely that it's as above so below within well, and you know what's interesting is it, it's like that's why I also like the four worlds is an entire healing tradition really because it does address it at these different levels and while the belief level is extremely important um you know there's there's other things we can do in the meantime on the physical level that's also going to help like eating a clean diet, you know? And so they're not exclusive either. You know, people are like, well, should I do this modality or that modality? And it's like, well, the father of medicine teaches us lifestyle, food, medicine, emergency medicine. Right. And I mean, that's 
my paraphrased version of it, but, um, and so, uh, you know, that's why, for example, and I know you deal with the herbal medicine and the teas and, and so do I as a, you know, I'm a clinical Western herbalist, right? And that's also part of why I'm creating my herbal medicine company as well is because, you know, sometimes, yes, we can bring the breath in and we can address it from the level of belief and like, please know the importance of that step of the process because it's extremely important. And meanwhile, but definitely not instead of, but also it can be really supportive to add in some, you know, herbal extracts that are going to support your brain function while you're rewiring those pathways or some, you know, herbal medicines that are going to give you energy from the place of supporting your, you know, adrenals and your inner vitality, not from like depleting it through excess caffeine or something to give you energy while you're going through this deep work that you do actually need to, you know, take some extra rest time from, right? So there's these other allies, and I know you and I are both so passionate about the plant world, who, and you know, I, I'll work with them as allies to support myself or my clients while we're doing that deep repatterning work. So that's yeah. what's so beautiful too. It's like, we have so many tools that can, can hold us. That's so perfect. And even just thinking of what your product is and in honor of you, I'm having Rose and Tulsi. I felt like that was the closest to Shifra medicine I could get. It was like so heart opening and so just like this, it feels so expansive, but it's not quite yours, your potion that is coming. But I genuinely love, you know, no matter what people think about plants as vegetables or as whatever that goes when it comes to plant medicine, whether it be mushroom, ayahuasca, or rose petals, there's an intelligence that is so expansive and so meant to tap into our own shields and our own systems that, you know, we're always looking at if we're specifically with reception or receptivity, letting the armor down, how do we let the armor down? And sometimes we don't know how to do it. So we let other things like these plants help us unfold and feel safe when, Mm -hmm. when we really need to, of course, feel protected and have boundary, but if the work is to receive more, it is to let down some of this armor. Well, and if the work, you know, if this to receive more, it's, it's tantric in its nature, right? So it's about balance. It's about harmony. It's, you know, the story of the creation story, which I actually haven't told yet, we can get there, um, is, is about the divine masculine and the divine feminine energies coming together to create creation on the grand scale and on the micro scales. And so if it's about this weaving and this balancing, it's it's like this balance of well, when do I need to be more just giving and open? And when do I need to actually have more discernment and boundary? And how do I bring those together in harmony? And when do I need to push and persevere? And when do I need to pull up and rest? And you know, it's the, it's that, those are what the 11 energy centers are, are those different attributes of like, when do I need to give more? And when do I need to have more discernment? When do I need to um, tap into what I know? And when do I need to tap into what is my inner wisdom, you know, and these different di- things that balance masculine, feminine, but that balance 
um, just the way that we are in the world to find to find wholeness. And some of us come in, I love this analogy of like a video game where you could you could think of it as like the soul is coming in and the higher self is going, hmm, like, who do I want my player to be? You know, like when we used to play like Mortal Kombat or something and you're like, do I want <laughs> this character or this character? And so, totally. you know, you're over there and we're, we're like, you and I are like, our higher selves are like, ooh, let's play this time. And I'm, and we're like, oh, cool. There's this Emily character. There's the Shifa character. There's a few others. It's like, who do you want to be? You know? And I'm like, I'm like, I kind of want to choose the Shifra one. You know, she's got more of these attributes, but a little bit, you know, she, I'm not, I guess I'm going to have less of this, but I'm like balancing it out with having more of this. And I know if I'm going to get to the next level in the game, I'm going to have to help her develop these, these things over here. But that sounds like fun. Like I kind of want to practice that this round and, um, you know, it's cool because she's already gotten to level three. So I get to start from level three this time, you know, and you're like, this cool, so yeah, I I'll try this Emily character. <laughs> she has some of the same look. They she and she are kind of similar, but she's got a little bit more of this, you know, and we're like, okay, cool. I'll see you once we get to level seven. Okay, bye. <laughs> I love that analogy. That's beautiful. It's so true. And I'm so glad we got to level seven, she if that's what I guess. met. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so good. Well, okay. Yeah. Creation story. I would love to dig into that. And then also there was something you taught me that was like, I don't know if this ties into it, but how until recently it was only Jewish men over the age of 40 that were able oh, yeah. to share this. Yeah, that's true. It's, <laughs> that's true. It's um, Jewish men over the age of 40. And part of it is that there's the written tradition and then there's the non-written tradition. And so like many things, I have different interpretations. On the one hand, it wasn't allowed for anyone but Jewish men over the age of 40 to learn these things. And on the other hand, and let's just say within, within the Jewish community, it was men over the age of 40. On the other hand, the women didn't need to learn from the books. <laughs> and that's a known thing. And that's even part of the teaching is that is that the women especially in a more traditional society, we're going to be really <clears throat> in the, the feminine, which is the embodiment. Feminine energy, because, because our society has totally flipped masculine and feminine on their heads, and there's so many misconceptions. So what I mean about feminine energy is embodied energy. It's the life dance. The Shekhinah is the Hebrew word for the divine feminine or the embodied, the embodied existence, embodiment. And also can be interpreted even as like eros and just the, the sensual essence of life. And the divine feminine is said to have come and hidden herself behind the veil of creation. And so, yeah, and so that's um, what I mean <laughs> when I say feminine. I love um, that. Let's see. So wait, redirect me. I, I, I story of creation. No, we're going great places. Sheepa, I'm like, this redirect is beautiful. Me, which way are we going? So I, yeah, the story of creation. If you oh. would like to share, yeah, okay. Once upon a time, <laughs> it's funny because time. I'm gonna tell the story as if it were linear, but just know that. 
in these levels it's not time isn't linear and time and space are the same thing and this is both happened in the past and is happening anew in each moment on many levels so once upon a time <clears throat> there was the endlessness known as the Ein Sof, the without end and the Ein Sof, the endlessness the infinite thought to itself <laughs> it would be so cool if I could be in relationship to anything I'm just lonely over here I'd love to create a creation where I could individuate beings to relate to I want to be in relationship oh cool okay and then it set off to create a, a universe a world but it couldn't because there was nowhere to do it because the infinite the endlessness took up all of the space and there was no room for anything else to exist <laughs> except for itself and so <laughs> it said well well gosh if I'm going to create creation so I can be in relationship I'll have to create space so in order to create more it first had to contract itself. And actually in order to make itself into many and make itself bigger, it had to first make itself smaller. And so it contracted itself through a process called Simtsu. And then it contracted itself through the contraction through Simtsu and it created a Tohu, a void. And, oh, you're muted. Okay, cool. Uh-huh. Uh, I just saw your lips move. I was like, okay. So created... I just, I really love repeating these words. I hope if you're listening, you're repeating these words. Yeah, you could, yes, repeat them. <laughs> we can pause and have you repeat them. So the tohu, the void. And so it's, it's like, wow, this is cool. Now there's a void. Now there's space, but it's like, oh yeah, I'm going to create creation. Oh, but the void is completely empty. There's no, there's no fabric, there's no clay, there's no material with which to create creation. Okay, well, I guess I have to put in a little bit of energy. So then the Ainso of the infinite put in a ray of light called a kav. And it emitted this kav, this ray of light into the void, the tohu. And it was just enough light so that it could animate creation, but not so much light so that it would obliterate it. So it's this very fine dance. And so the space itself, you could say, was that masculine energy. And then the cob comes down, it sends the light down. And then when that light disperses, the divine feminine, the Shekhinah, she is those sparks of light that hides herself behind the face, the countenance of creation, which is why we go outside into the world and we look up and we see the moon and we go, <gasps> and we, you know, walk by a field of wildflowers and they're just like the lupin and the balsam and the yellow and the purple and, the <gasps> and it catches us in our breath because <gasps> is how you say God in Hebrew. Wow. <laughs> oh my gosh, I have chills. 
bringing it around. Yes. And also what you said, this is, don't let me take you off course too much, but how, how that is available. It's like very available to those willing to receive and very disconnected from those who are not Mm. right. This like idea that she is willing to show herself to those who I, whether they are open or whether they are, you know, it's like as a young child or growing up, there's times where people would be like, wow, look at that bird. And I'd be like, okay, that's cool. But didn't have that. Now I see a bird and I lose my mind. You know, (laughs) this idea, like, yes, the, you know, when you see people who are like, and you're like, why are you so, you know, it's like for the people who aren't there yet, just knowing it's just about being open to her. And then she starts to show herself and then your life will forever change. (laughs) Well, I really appreciate you bringing that up too, because people will often, something I, I, that's really important to me that I speak about is this reconnecting to the wisdom lineages of our ancestors and to our, the magic, the lineage of magic and of ritual and of these practices of our own lineages. And, and yes, I was born into this body that has this Kabbalistic lineage that I feel a lot of ownership over. But a lot of my friends here in the West are completely disconnected from the magic lineage of their ancestors and so and so this to me is a really big problem and and what I love to do is to empower people that that it's it's your inheritance too it's in your blood and your bones too and so when I teach the four worlds when I teach Kabbalah I'm able to um, set the dogma aside and take the wisdom that I call the pattern, the elemental patterns of reverence. And the elemental patterns of reverence, I can know them and recognize them because of this lineage that I inherited. And yet I can I can extract these universal elemental patterns of reverence that belong to any human being. And actually in the tradition, I'll, I'll give a translation of what the word Israel means in Hebrew, because in the tradition, these teachings belong to the people of Israel. And this is misinterpreted as, oh, well, then that means the people of Israel. That means, you know, Jewish people or people from the tribe of Judah or people that are Israeli national, which, by the way, that country is very new. Right. So it doesn't mean any of those things. In fact, Jacob was renamed Israel after he wrestled. He had a a dream slash an experience where he wrestled with an angel. And the way it's written is that he wrestled with God. And so if you can imagine, he stays up all night and he's just wrestling with God and he's struggling with God and he's fighting with God. And then finally, you could say he's wrestled with these things and he comes to a place of knowing with it and he's renamed Israel. And so Israel is anyone who yearns to know God and to know the divinity within. And so these teachings are for all of us, all of us who are seekers, who are the medicine people, who are, who are even if you're, you don't consider yourself a medicine person, you're someone who yearns to know the truth of who you really are. That's who these teachings are for. And they belong to all of us. And I, I want this message to reach far and wide that, that, that these very human things, a human being is the common, is the, the weaving, the looming of earth and spirit. These elemental patterns of reverence, these prayer and ritual belong to every human being who yearns to to live a life of purpose from a place of compassion and love and know the God within themselves and know their relationship to the whole and honor it, right? So this is for all of us. 
and yeah, again, I got off on a tangent. Thank you. No, thank you. Because as someone who doesn't, you know, it's like very Eastern European slash kind of don't really know lineage. It's so true how disconnected it can and can feel, but then knowing that that's accessible to all of us and not just accessible, but required. I mean, you were a homesteader for five, six years, right? This, this deep connection with land and of course, with the herbs and reverence for the cycles of life, you have that intuitively. And then you also lived it. I, which I also, I love how multidimensional you are. You were just (laughs) so amazing, but having that deep connection is what is required for us all to be healers of this land with so much reverence to mother earth. There can only be creative things that come from that space of healing and changing and making this turn around, right. For where, where we're going currently and knowing that that's no longer an option. If we would like, if we would like to continue to see the birds in the air and the bees thriving, right? This deep recognition to turn that around starts within self. Absolutely. And yeah, the, the, the four worlds correspond to the elements of earth, air, fire, and water, not in that order, but, (laughs) and so, you know, there's lots of different correlations, but even just having reverence for those things and using those in, in the ways that, I mean, they're the tools that we've been given in this world of ASEA, in this world of action. And, and all of our ancestors, so important for us to remember, all of our ancestors prayed and had ritual that used those elements. No matter which part of the world your ancestors were from, no matter which language was spoken from their tongues, they all had these practices and what we are remembering part of what we're remembering is the truth of that and reclaiming that because then we start to step into our role as humans again to tend this beautiful planet that we've that we've inherited um and then one thing I wanted to say I remembered as you were speaking was you know some people will will say yeah but I want to connect more to my lineage or I want to connect more to my ancestors and I just I don't even know how or where to begin. And so I'll tell one more story about that, which is, I remember years ago now, I was living in the mountains of North Carolina and I was, um, there was a little stream, a little tiny creek in our backyard. And every morning I would go back to this creek and I would sit by the creek and I would call out, I would cry out to my ancestors and I would ask them, please come be with me. Let me feel you. I need you. And I felt nothing. And I would go out the next morning and I mean, it was just beautiful. I remember the, the fall leaves, you know, lilting and falling down into the Creek and then floating away on this, on the water. And that kind of magical in between the veil of autumn. And I would cry out and I would say, ancestors, please. Like, help me remember, show me your wisdom. Let me know that you're behind me. Let me know that I'm not just alone in this world, far away from the lands where you lived. Like, where am I? What am I doing here? Like, help me connect. And then nothing, you know, but I would go every single morning and I'd let them know I'm listening. And I was, and the more I shared that, 
all of a sudden I remember <laughs> I did this invocation with, with some people and they came. And it was just, a, it was an essence that could be felt so much so that <laughs> when we were done, this one, I was like, okay, we're done. And this, this is where I <laughs> learned, oh, we need to close the container. Cause she's like, are, are we, are we going to tell them to go home? Like, she's like, it's really crowded in here. I was like, oh, great. So then you close the container and there's specifically. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> but the wow. point is, and especially, you know, and, and there's many more layers and specifics to this, but when we, you know, we're the ones in bodies, we, we often give our power away and we think that like, oh, like spirits and things, we have so much power being in a body and having the aspect of the voice to speak out loud. That is, Ooh. we could do a whole other podcast about that. That's, mm. that's the hidden secret most powerful center mm. that is an entire entire mystery school in and of itself but in being a human being being in the body we have so much power if we're willing to claim it and we can connect we can ask to remember and then keep asking even if nothing comes because then one day you wake up and I wake up every day and I know I have my ancestors at my back. Wow, Shifra. And that prompted, I'm going to share this story to you. Thank you for being such a wonderful storyteller. This is like, I can't wait to talk more. We're just going to have so many good stories to share. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I Similar story of recently, this year, especially as we start talking about day of the dead and Halloween and this thinning of the veil and autumn and knowing that death is as equal to life and having that intense experience of harvesting animal. If I am, you know, this kind of constant Scorpio energy, as you know, well, mm -hmm. <laughs> and had this really beautiful calling out of just help me feel what is it you know I'm listening I'm listening I'm here I don't want to be frustrated I don't I just want you to know I'm I'm here and as soon as that moment kind of dissipates of frustration right that feeling of maybe it's impatience the humanness of me as soon as I let that surrender there usually is a very intense reaction with the nature around me or the mm. elements around me and seeing, you know, it's like we hear people talk about this, but to have that visceral connection to the trees that I was around and the water and realizing like, oh shit, you are within this. It, my ancestors are within this. It, it might not feel like a voice coming from the sky, which sometimes it will, but it is literally this tree that is right in front of me trying to speak through the wind. And that was just like, oh my gosh, we're surrounded. We're so held. We're so safe. They're with us always. Mm -hmm. It's just the layers of opening to it. <sighs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and that's how at least the physical parts of us work too, which is the composting and the repurposing quite literally. Yeah. Well, okay. So you sent me some labels. When is this stuff coming out? When can I get your deck? When can I read this? I need this deck. So, I mean, I have 
12, 13 Oracle decks. Nothing I've seen is like this. This is something that I, I cannot wait to access and have in my hands. It felt so powerful. I know it's a work in progress. It's happening. <laughs> so um, how can people follow you on Instagram or follow or find out? And how can I get this in my hands soon? Oh, yeah. <laughs> or when it's right, when it's ready. <laughs> when it's ready. No, it will be. It will be soon. I should say, yes, it will be soon. And um, definitely people can find me at my name, Shifra Bloom. Um, and I'm sure the spelling of that will be in the, in the thing. Yes. Um, for now, because yes, it, it, I would say we're in the world of formation, giving structure and form to many things that I've been, someone actually asked me the other day, he was inviting me to speak on his platform and he said, oh, how long have you been studying this? And I was like, oh, gosh, I, you know, I, oh, 17 years. <laughs> He's like, well, that's a long time. And so it's, it's this time right now um, is a lot of things are about to be released and I'm really excited for it. It's been a beautiful period of those, like we were talking about gestating. And so for now, um, people can find me on the Instagram and, and, you know, my website is always going to be she for bloom. I'll always have that link to wherever. So that as I am just about, and perhaps by the time this releases, it'll be our, you know, went depending on that timeline, but even as things change, my name is my name, right? So people can go, um, to either of those things and then be directed to, <clears throat> you know, the different, the different parts and pieces in terms of getting these herbal elixirs and herbal extract singles for supporting on those levels and getting the book and the deck and the story alchemy um, and all of that is, you know, through the vessel that is me. So what um, a gift you are. Shifra. And then, yeah. And then from there, you'll be able to, you'll be able to get the announcements of, of when these things are available. And I'm so excited. I'm excited to create community around it too, and um, be having more of these kinds of conversations with people. They're so needed. You're so needed. Thank you so much. I'm so thrilled. Listeners go find Shifra. What a gift you are. Thank you. So fun. So much more so to talk about. It's just barely scratched the surface. I know. So good. <laughs> but we'll do a part two. We'll do a part two about the voice. And maybe as soon as this deck is live, we will do another recap. Yeah. Or a demo or I don't know. Something. Yes. Oh, you could totally do my, a reading for me. I would, would selfishly love that. That would be so cool. We'll do a follow-up reading. Okay. Let's do that. It's a date. Thank you, Shifra, for being on Meathead Hippie. And listeners, we will see you next week. Bye.